Hey everybody, it's Irina from The Family, where we support entrepreneurs with education tools and access to capital. Entrepreneurs always share their vision, the qualities of their product, and sometimes even their own story. And it all falls into the art of sales. But how do we actually sell to large, complex organizations? How do we move forward with a deal? How do we navigate the procurement process? And how do we get a deal closed? To answer these questions and give us an insightful overview of what sales actually is, We've invited Luca Bovone at The Family to share with us his art. Luca is the founder and CEO of Projects, one of the leading co-living providers in Europe. Before launching Projects, Luca was one of the first hires of Dropbox in Europe. There, after opening several markets in the SMB and mid-market segments, he focused on selling into large-scale organizations, managing to close some of Dropbox's largest deals globally. I hope you enjoy it. Hello. <clears throat> so um, we start with a quote uh, from a very important uh, SaaS investor, uh, which says, "Once or twice in life, someone will give you a shot you don't quite deserve. Work 100 hours." do whatever it takes, make it happen. So um, my name is Luca, as uh, Irina introduced me. Uh, currently, I'm running a co-living startup called Projects. Before that, I was uh, working at Dropbox, where I was uh, basically starting the SMB team first, and then I moved to enterprise uh, sales, which is where we will be focusing on today. Um, so what I want to give you today is like the 10 commandments, the 10 key points throughout the sales cycle when selling into very large organizations. So first of all, what is a big deal? Uh, we define a big deal usually in sales, anything that is a six digit or 100K or in ACV or ARR, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it's not only about you know, the size, it's also how transformational it is for your organization. Because especially if you're a small company, it will require you know, extra efforts uh, and going you know, above and beyond, as I said earlier. Uh, but uh, other differences, of course, between small um, and large deals is not only the size, uh, but also uh, the sales uh, cycle. Of course, uh, one to six months is uh, smaller deals, six to 12, tw even 24 months can be um, the large deals. Uh, phone versus face-to-face, -face, that's obvious. Very important and very important difference that we'll see later is uh, in one, you will be selling to the end user. So who buys is also who uses the product usually. On the other side, there will be the procurement uh, process, which is uh, for big companies uh, the most important basically piece of information that you get today, how to go through the procurement process. Um, and lastly, but also most important, is your role as a CEO or as a salesman really changes from just a salesman to a project manager when uh, you, do, uh, you deal with uh, large deals. Why? Because you have to pull in you know, internal and external uh, resources uh, rather than just you know, selling to the customer. Um, so the first uh, question that you will ask yourself, especially again if you're a small company, is is this really happening? So of course, again, since it takes so much effort, so much costs as well um, to uh, run, you know, and go through maybe 6, 12, 24 months uh, for a deal with a large company, you really need to ask yourself that question. Uh, and to do that, um, we have like a, a little quick uh, checklist. So three things. Number one, 
is there a project ongoing? This means that the company that you're selling into, it's already settled on a project for that specific item. For example, uh, if a company is uh, already focused on you know, uh, investing in conversational e-commerce and your startup is doing one part of that, that's totally fine. But usually, if they don't have a project in place, it means that it's just scouting for information for next year projects, and so it's kind of a, a waste of time for you to invest in that deal. Uh, secondly, if there is a project, there must be a responsible for that project and that becomes your champion. So that's how we call the person responsible for the deal on the other side of the phone. Uh, and that's totally important because uh, that person is going to be the person that sells for you within their organization. Okay, so uh, and the third thing, which is like actually in almost any deals, but for large deals even more, is uh, there is a budget and timeline. So uh, large companies are even less uh, flexible. If there is no budget, usually uh, it's kind of hard to get uh, one. So uh, make sure to have these three checks uh, done. Um, secondly, of course, how to get into the game. If you have that first contact, you know, you really need to maximize your opportunities to get there. Maybe they're looking at two or three different companies. Uh, so what can you do to get inside the deal? Uh, three very simple things. Uh, of course, because you're a small company or even a smaller company, even for us at Dropbox, it was not an ordinary thing. So you need to do something extraordinary. Uh, that means you know, you're responding to emails 10 times faster. It means you're being 10 times more detailed or more prepared. For example, in my largest deal, there was a multi-million uh, dollar deal, the first one for Dropbox. Um, I prepared the presentation that was 10 times more uh, detailed with all kind of uh, usage information. Um, and of course, the company on the other side was completely impressed because a Microsoft or a Salesforce, they will never do something like that because, of course, uh, they're used to that. It's ordinary for them. And you must be extraordinary and start to build that rapport to make them feel like they're special for you. And very small hint, bring some swag. Of course, you're a startup, you know, you have some t-shirts and stuff. Bring them to the IT managers, you're gonna make them happy. They're gonna give them to their children. Again, start to build that rapport and that's gonna be uh, a key. So the, the other question that you're gonna ask yourself is, are we ready for this, right? And obviously, uh, I can tell you, uh, you're not ready. So uh, this is very simple. Uh, when I started this deal, there was um, in, uh, I think, January of 2016, uh, Dropbox was a 300 million per year company in revenues. We were about 1,200 uh, people uh, in the organization and we definitely were not ready. So we were used to doing deals with like seven pages contract from uh, headquarters in San Francisco, all in English, very simple. And they arrived to my legal team with 120 uh, pages uh, contract in Italian. So <laughs> they looked at me a bit strange, right? So if Dropbox wasn't ready after 80 years, you know, 10 billion valuation, your startup probably is not ready. And you just have to deal with it. You know, you just have to understand that you're not ready. And if you want to make that uh, kind of sacrifice, then you just have to be kind of aware that you're making it. So during the deal, so let's say that, of course, you had the first contact, you, go, you did everything you could to get in. And then, uh, of course, in any sort of a deal, in any large organization, they will never buy your product straight away. They will do something that is uh, called a pilot or in IT terms, the POC, so the proof of concept. And this is like the crucial part of the deal. So uh, the first very big milestone where you're going to define if you're going to be basically be selling the product or not. Another very important thing is that uh, large companies buy software in a process uh, uh, base, so uh, it's not sentiment based. You know, it's not like one guy buys and because he feels you know the, the product is great. So it's a process based uh, purchase, and therefore, if you nail the process, then it's going to be very smooth at the end. You know, to to complete the purchase or the sale. 
how to get the, the, the POC right. First of all, you are the one who sets the POC up for success. What does it mean? It means that you must be the one driving you know, the, uh, the metrics to use, the timelines to use, um, and really focusing on stuff that obviously you can uh, nail. Uh, and of course, you're gonna have some pushback, but uh, you, know, you are the one basically driving this and making sure that the POC is set up for success. Another small hint, if you can, always push for the POC set of users to be the most senior users you can. Because again, if you push and the, these, these users start using the product and they like it, it's gonna be much harder than later to take it off from them uh, because they're already using it. Secondly, uh, every single time that you have such a deal, you ask to your champion 10 to 20 names and emails and phone numbers and you call them up and you interview them, all of them, and really create a very simple uh, pain and solution framework and then you bring that report to um, basically the, the, your champion or the people evaluating the, the project at the end of the POC so you can really show how your product uh, is basically driving solution uh, for them. And lastly, fake it until you make it. So don't quote me on this. I mean, we're having technical problems, so hopefully this part gets deleted from the video. But when I was doing the, <laughs> when I was doing the POC for this very large client, uh, for example, they asked us for like a dedicated support, and uh, I created a fake, you know, email alias with a company name at Dropbox.com, and behind there was two uh, allegedly two support agents. One was me with a fake name, and the other one was my colleague also with a fake name. So, you know, if we did it and it worked out, maybe it's gonna work out for you, but don't quote me on this. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you are already got uh, until here, you know, you are within the, the decision-making uh, process, uh, a key thing, this is really one of the most important things, is to continue discovery. So, if in a normal deal you start to discovery first call, then you're done, you start selling, in large deals, your, your job is to continue to discover the company, the organization you're selling into. So at this point, if you got until now, so during the POC and so on, your champion is your internal informer. So you can ask him anything because he brought the product until this point. So if the project fails, it's gonna be on him. If the projects win, then it's gonna be his win within the organization. So you can ask him openly about stuff. And one of the most important advice I ever got was to ask about the organizational structure. And this may seem super weird, but I mean, they did it straight away and they did it on other deals as well. Um, and this allows you really to map the organization you're selling into and to really understand who is who, when to escalate, to who to escalate, and so on. And if you're a salesperson, also it's gonna look very good to your CEO when you're gonna bring him in, uh, your boss when you're gonna bring him in to know exactly who is who within the organization. Um, and third, continues to improve the understanding of the buying process. Every single call that you have, you're gonna have like daily calls or weekly calls, every single time ask to understand better who is uh, approving this, who is approving security, how long it's gonna take. You know, always improving the understanding of the buying process because if you don't now, then it's gonna kick you in the ass later. So continue on to, on to this uh, side, mapping the organization <laughs> is the key. So of course, if you have the, uh, the organizational structure, this is quite easy. Uh, but uh, it's easy also to have this kind of uh, structure. So on one side, having the deal team on your side, and on the other side, having them or the potential customer, right? So you are the salesman, as uh, we already said, and your peer is the IT buyer or your champion, and that's easy. Again, he's your peer, so you guys work almost like colleagues on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Secondly, your CEO should be the sponsor. If you can get the CEO or your VP of sales or your boss simply, but you need to have an executive person on board with you. And on the other side, you need to have a VP or a senior manager. Why is this crucially important? Because you're gonna have roadblocks that cannot be solved by yourself or uh, by your, your champion. So you have to escalate this. And with a, simple, uh, with a simple phone call, your CEO can solve it with an executive sponsor, only if he has a counterpart on the other side. And lastly, of course, the CTO uh, on your company or you know, the head of security uh, must have as a peer uh, their CSO because especially if it's a data-related uh, product that you're selling, you know, they want to be, uh, have a peer to speak with and they will not speak, uh, like a, a CSO will not speak with a, with, a, with a business guy about tech stuff. And of course, uh, your CFO or you know, finance guy or uh, GC uh, should have uh, the counterpart uh, of, of the buyer and procurement. The more the merrier, what does this mean? This is also a key thing and also a bit of a sketchy thing, but um, the more stakeholders you involve in the process, the better it's going to be. Why? Because if you bring, you know, if the deal is uh, going on for like six or eight months, right? <laughs> and you have involved all these people, like f uh, four people here, maybe 20 people in the POC, 10 people in the interview, and all these people have committed time and energy to this, to this project, it's very unlikely that uh, they will just pull it, right? So it's much smarter for you to involve as many people as possible and make them stand to lose if the project is uh, pulled. So that's very important. So finally, of course, you get the yes, so the POC is gone successful and uh, you get the yes from uh, your, your guy and you're like super happy, you think you're gonna make money very soon, you know, pop bottles and stuff. But uh, yes, in big companies, does not mean that they're ready to go. It means it's just getting started, or procurement's a bitch. Uh, so if it took you six months to get to procurement, it's probably gonna take you another six months to go through procurement. So a couple of tips. First of all, price. It's highly important that you do not talk about price until this moment. Why? Because everything, everything that is commercial that has been discussed prior to the engagement of the procurement team, which are the buyers, will be scrapped. So if you promised for uh, you know, a discount, you already played your card and then it's gonna be very tough because you might not have margin to negotiate because it will be very aggressive. So leave pricing and commercial discussions until the end. Usually the IT buyer in a big organization, they don't care. They just care about the product. Uh, secondly, they will throw you documents at you. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen this kind of uh, uh, words, but RFP, SLA, MSA, you have no idea probably what they are. You probably don't have an SLA. So what does this mean? It means that uh, they, they need these documents. You know, an SLA is a service level agreement, for example. It regulates you know, if there is a downtime on your servers, you can't provide the service, what is gonna happen? Um, so n it's never too early to involve the legal team. Uh, and this is gonna be a massive cost, uh, especially if you're a small company and you have to hire external legal counsel. Uh, but again, if you're willing to go through, if you were ready, you felt like you were ready at the beginning, uh, then you must do it because otherwise you will not be able to go through these steps. So closing, um, we finally, you know, g getting to the, to the end of it. Um, I have kind of tracked uh, for uh, emotional support uh, to fellow salesmen and CEOs, kind of like the mood of a, of a salesperson throughout this graph, right? So on the y-axis, of course, you have like the complexity of the deal and on the x-axis, you have uh, the timeline, right? So you start always when it's like, it's never gonna happen because you know we're just a small company or a small product or whatever. Then 
you're like, oh, okay, they like the product. Then you put the, uh, you start the pilot, and of course you put the product into the wild, and you're like, okay, uh, you start praying every day, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> it starts to get tough. Um, and then, uh, and then you're like, wow, they are actually using the product. The product is successful. Wow, they said yes. I'm gonna be a billionaire, just like I said before. Not really, because the procurement is here, and uh, the. The, the really key aspect of this slide is like to have faith because I can tell you also from experience, I think th this is also quite relatable with the people that have raised money for their own company. It's quite relatable. It always gets super tough when you're getting very, very close to the end. So uh, trust, you know, put trust in the process and just go th through with it. Uh, how to get through with it? Well, a couple of uh, key tricks. So one, one trick that uh, one of my mentors uh, taught me was to keep one bomb for the last minute. What does this mean? So if, you have a, if the deal is stuck on one specific thing, for example, a key feature, like the security guy during the procurement process is like, oh, I re we really need to this, this key security feature. And then you know that you can't deliver on it. So what you do is you just avoid the, the conversation or you just say yes, for sure, no problem. You <laughs> continue the deal until the last, very last moments very last day, and then you drop the bomb. Why you do this? Because if you, if you close the deal during the, if you, if you tell them during the negotiation, they probably will close the, the negotiation right there because it's a key requirement. But if you let them spend another six months on negotiating, <laughs> getting the deal in place, right? And then you drop the bomb on the last moments, they will hardly say no. And this, you know, I've been told by somebody that has like 30, 40 years of experience, so, you can trust him on that, but also don't quote me. Uh, <laughs> the second is uses CEO magic. So of course, here's the time when the CEO has to shine, go in, you know, uh, sell the vision, sell the product, and basically just do whatever it takes. Um, lastly, a very last touch, also for fellow uh, sales uh, salespeople, uh, the aftermath. So uh, this is also happens mostly in larger companies. Um, so haters gonna hate. Why? because you have to be ready as a salesperson to the internal blowback. Uh, you probably oversold certain things <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and especially if your team is like large, like 10, 15, 20 people, and you, know, you have a tech team and a support team and so on, they will be inundated of requests, both technical requests, support requests, and so on. So you have to be ready. You know, also a lot of jealousy, of course, because you just made a lot of money in commission, and they didn't. So. Uh, you have to be ready for this internal blowback. And uh, secondly, of course, always try to get the reference if you went this far, you know, especially for a big company, having a large, uh, very big logo uh, on the website is always helpful. And um, uh, lastly, work continues, so support, deployment, and training will be uh, your job going forward. So to recap, big deals are about project management, not about salesmanship. Number two, make sure that it's actually happening. You know, make sure there is a, a project ongoing, make sure there is a champion. Number three, do the extraordinary to get into the game because this is not an ordinary deal for you. Number four, you're definitely not ready and that's okay. Just you know, make sure that you know this. Uh, number five, fake it until you make it. You are the one making the POC a success. Drive the metrics, drive the timelines. Number six, Continuous discovery is an ongoing task. Ask for um, the organizational structure. Ask for more information. Number seven, the deal team versus them. So the more people you have, uh, the better, because the more people are committed into this, the product project, the least likely is going to fail. Eight, a yes means uh, you're just getting started. Nine, close it. 
do whatever it takes, even if it's not 100% ethical. And then <laughs> the aftermath, so be, the hard part is over, you just made your commission, but uh, the job continues. Thank you very much. Thanks for the presentation. So when um, you worked at Dropbox, um, you said you had to prepare all the different contracts, service level agreement and so on. Uh, did it come from Dropbox or did the company prepare it for you? So that's a very good question. So usually uh, when you go into a big deal, uh, you, you always bring your own documents, right? Like all the management team from your own company, they tell you, let's use our documents. Obviously when you go into large companies, we dealt with uh, large, for example, public organizations in Italy, but also in Germany, my colleagues and so on. They, these large organizations, they have their own documents. So basically, uh, you know, you, yeah, they're their own documents, they're in their own language, so it's German or Italian or Spanish and so on. And so, uh, unfortunately, you bring your own documents, but then they bring their documents, and it's very hard. Like, it's almost a no-go uh, negotiation. So they, you will end up using their documents, and therefore, you need to basically get your own legal team to negotiate your terms into their structure, which is obviously very complex, especially if language is different. And as I said, we had literally a seven-page contract, and they had a 120-page contract. And we had to do, use theirs. So imagine the legal fees on the, on the deal, how much they were very high. Right here, in the back. Uh, thank you so much. Can, can we go one slide back to the Ten, ten Commandments, you think? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so the, the first one is project management, which I, um, I quite agree with it. I'm just questioning who should run the project during the pilot phase. If you have a deep tech product where you have, you have your sales organization, you have the operation side of it, and then you have the tech team in, in the back, who should run the relationships with the clients um, during, during the pilot's time and also during any technical issues or operational issues? Absolutely, you, that's a very good question. So usually, I mean, actually, in 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 the in the prior slide, I didn't I didn't put it, but usually uh, next to the salesman, next to the account executive, you have a, a technical person that is kind of like more operational than your you know your CTO or something like this. In uh, in our company, it was called the solutions architect. Um, so in this case, it's like a very technical person that can support on the deal. So I brought my solutions architect to every conversation that I had. So any single call, any single meeting, I always had my solutions architect. So if possible to have two people on the leading the, the project, of course, your, you know, your striker is always your salesman. That's the one handling the relationship, but uh, you also must bring a technical person. If the company is too small, then just bring your CTO on the deal. But of course, it's a big, big commitment of time. Um, sometimes your champion wants to know the price right in the first call almost. Um, yep. What's your strategy there to keep the commercial talk to the it's proper end? Yeah, absolutely. It's a very good point. So I also were, was asked all the time the, the price. And a very, very important thing that I've always been told and that I've always done is you, if they ask you about the price, you tell them the price on the website. You know, and then they're like, oh, but you know, we're a big company or whatever. And then you say, it's, it's fine. We can discuss the price later, but this is our, our base price, just so you're aware. But you have to stick with it, you know? And it's very, it's super complex. I've been there, you know, and I've also made mistakes, uh, but you must try to stick with it. You know, that's the price, you keep that price. Uh, so you go always go for the, for the face value that you have. Hi there. Um, you mentioned the, the champion is a, is a really important person because they're obviously selling it within the company. Ha who is that person 
often end up being and how do you identify that person if you're going into the deal from the beginning? Very good question. So usually it ends up being uh, IT manager or IT project manager. That's usually like the, the title that they have. Um, so usually in, in large organizations, they have like an IT department and uh, within the IT department, they have like uh, uh, teams that are structured into like, for example, mobile solutions, you know, and all these kind of, uh, these kind of teams and uh, or e-commerce solutions and so on. And so each uh, then person within those teams are staffed with one specific uh, thing. So ideally, uh, so if, if you wanted the title, it should be like IT manager. Uh, and then if you want to know exactly who to target, then I think ideally you need to have a, a first <coughs> an in within the organization. So can be like ideally within the IT organization. Uh, and then you just ask who is in charge of these kind of things, you know, you're doing e-commerce, okay, who's in charge of the e-commerce solutions in the IT team? Um, in our case, it was like mobile solutions because it was like, you know, uh, kind of uh, sh uh, file sharing, file, um, you know, collaboration on the go. So that was like the team. And so um, I, I, that was uh, an inbound request. So I didn't have to, you know, look for the right person. It was coming to me. But in that case, I would definitely just ask, you know, you enter the company and then you ask, okay, is, are you not that the right person? who's the right person, and then you just direct yourself uh, to there. Uh, if your champion in the company is not, um, is a very difficult person maybe, very difficult character, there are lots of politics going on in enterprises, um, would you actually go to another person as well? Let's say maybe, uh, we, we currently actually have the problem, we are doing a pilot with a large company, and um, it's a very complex character. Um, we have company uh, like, 50 users involved and it's an ongoing project and it's all good but it's yeah getting harder and harder towards the end now it he might be playing <laughs> but do you maybe find other people in the company to talk to also or what we would be your suggestion yes um, absolutely so if uh, he is not helping you he's not your champion you know like the fact that i mean you can have a peer like a person that follows the project like just in this case but he's not a champion if he's not championing your product you know um so definitely what you said so if you don't if he's not helping you uh, try to you know go around it of course it's hard because as you said it's political organizations you know there's always a lot of politics so uh, of course having um, this structure you know with like one uh, person above you if you're the ceo the sponsor your sponsor can be like an investor or somebody uh, so if you have uh, that uh, extra layer of escalation then you can try to escalate and then ask that person if there is another person in the team that you can relate to you know and try to go above and then below in this way uh, because they have more authority then uh, it's easier for them to to get switched but if you go behind his back straight to the other person then it would be harder because it can create internal um, sort of problems although it talks about when it's successful but it's not always successful so when you lose a deal, what do you do? How do you make the most out of this loss as well? <laughs> Go home, get drunk. <laughs> do you interview the, the people afterwards or is there? Look, at the end of the day, uh, one thing that I didn't uh, put here, but it's also very useful is, uh, is uh, always, always going back to think about the sales funnel. So if a company, you know, uh, seems like it's interested, but then doesn't buy in the end, you're, it's just been going down in the sales funnel and then it's just go, go back, goes back up, right? But it's already been qualified and so on. So what I've seen in, in my lifetime is always, you know, if you, of course you, you're gonna have a CRM, of course you're gonna have everything tracked and therefore 
it's going to be easier later to then uh, you know reconvert that customer. So I, I don't personally I don't have any you know experience on like you know maybe feedback uh, you know sheets or something like this. I've never done it. Um, the only thing that I know is that a lot of customers that didn't buy at a certain point then bought like a year later. So just continue you know to uh, drip track them. You know continue to to bother them on a, on a monthly basis with new stuff. Um, and then at some point they will fall down the cracks again. Yeah. Maybe I missed it, uh, but I'm very curious. How did you get your clients? What did you use? Some technology? How many sales reps did you have? Till you get to the step that you have a uh, champion and so on and so on. A true oh. answer, please. No, of course. It's all, I mean, uh, guys, come on. Uh, I've been the most real person on this stage. No, thank you. Just, I'm just j joking. Uh, I mean, it's not... I don't really understand the question because it's not really a function of, uh, you know... Um, if you're asking like how many you know sales uh, re uh, development representative do you need to have to have a constant inflow of such deals then i have, i have no idea uh, you know so i really don't know how much how big should the team be to get to handle this um, i can tell you that uh, when we got this like i was one person basically doing sales for the whole market um, and uh, you know, by, and I just handled it by involving these other people. But, but on how did you do this? Did you use marketing? Did you do cold calling? Uh, I mean, what did you do to get your clients? Of course. So this specific client was inbound client. So they just uh, asking for uh, for information. But of course, when you're working for a company like Dropbox, it's it's very diff very different, right? Uh, because you have a lot of inbound requests, a lot of teams that are already using the product, so it's much easier to access to a large, uh, uh, you know, team of customers. But I can tell you what we're doing, you know, outside of this specific customer, you know, on a daily basis. I mean, we had a team, of course, of uh, sales uh, development representatives that were using uh, tools like uh, Sendbloom to send like a, m a mass uh, uh, email campaigns. Uh, and then, of course, uh, following up on the phone, and then you know, passing on the opportunities to the sales uh, to the salespeople. We had roughly a ratio three to one, just like uh, Philip said, uh, to uh, sales to um, development to account executive ratio. And yeah, that's that. That was our method. Um, so you mentioned that there is a technique when there is a person inside the organization that you probably know. But I was wondering, since it's a huge corporate and you probably send email to the person, you're like a uh, superstar, superman, I don't remember. So, And you mentioned the person that he or she hardly knows. What is usually the reaction of like, yeah, I'm like this guy referred me your email and thus I'm writing to you. So might that person get in trouble because you just send a random selling email outbound. And I was just wondering what is the, you know, the system within this yeah, process? Yeah, totally. No, usually this is like an over worry about uh, that, that the salespeople have, but nobody really get, gets annoyed by, by emails, you know, like uh, they're used to get a lot of them. And uh, again, of course, the, the more qualified is your, is your lead, the least likely it is that uh, the, the people get bothered by their emails because they've already been introduced to, to the product, you know, and so on. And that's why, again, again, if you see, 
if a, a customer is potentially qualified or not, right? If they're taking your email and just sending it around to other people with no introduction, you know, no sort of uh, uh, warm, uh, um, you know, introduction, then of course it's probably less qualified lead. When, when, what I'm talking about here is like a person that, you know, uh, personally has a meeting with other people, introduces them to the project, you know, explains them what, uh, what they're talking about. That's a true, you know, champion in the company. So I guess by seeing how they interact with other, you know, parties in the company, you can also uh, evaluate how qualified uh, a lead or an opportunity actually is. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks a lot, Luca. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you want to learn more about the family, go to thefamily.co. See you next week.